Hello, and welcome to The Embargoed, the only podcast that gives you the unvarnished truth about the world of technology public relations. Our aim is to go behind the headlines to tell you what's really going down and have a little fun in an industry that often takes itself too seriously. Every Thursday, we touch on the top stories of the week, dissecting the worlds of technology, business, politics, pop culture, and whatever else we can examine through the lens of public relations and corporate communications. We promise to be honest, straightforward, and mostly irreverent. We'll never bore you with details about which company announced what, unless, of course, we really like the what. Tap your hands, everybody, if you got what it takes. Because I'm KRS and I'm on the mic and premieres on the breaks. You love that intro, man. Oh, you love that intro, Kevin? I Sorry, I was intro. on mute there. Yeah. I love that. That, that takes me back. Uh, I, I love that old school hip hop. I think that's actually a later KRS One song, but uh, I love that guy. And I, I just, I don't know, I don't know if that's like a triangle in the background, that like ding, ding, but I don't know. That beat just uh, gets me going, man. So. Good start to the show. Hey, what does what he say? Clap your hands, everybody, and let's get going. If you've got what it takes, because I'm KRS, and I'm on the mic, and Premier is on the break. Bump, 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 boom. Well, there you go. Today yeah. is Thursday, yeah. May 13th, 2021. Mm. Everybody, welcome to the Embargo. So, Kevin, how's it going? It's going well, man. Uh, got my kids signed up to get vaccinated today. Uh, well, sorry, we signed them up today. They're going to get vaccinated uh, tomorrow. My twelve, no, my thirteen and fourteen year old. So that's big news in my house. You got a thirteen and a fourteen year old? I thought they were yeah. further apart than that, dude. Well, and then I got a five year old too. Three, as far yeah. as I know, three kids. That's as far yeah, as I, yeah, so I know, but yeah. My, my fourteen year old, my he's going to be fifteen in September. So we got a little space, about nineteen months between the oldest two. Yeah, I um, my oldest daughter. Signed up yesterday and found a spot. She, she's going in on Friday. Mm. And the two younger ones are, uh, well, they'll just have to wait their turn. <laughs> yeah. Get, I think that's coming. It's coming for them, though, actually pretty pretty soon. I think Pfizer announced a couple of weeks ago that they were testing with kids two and up or maybe they were advanced in trials at some point. Yeah, I think that's yeah. uh, it's imminent, too. Well, uh, what about the news today? I think we're going to get that later. but. Um, we are. CDC says uh, maskless. Take them off. Fully masked. Yeah. So take them off. I love that. To man. be nice. So, um, well, let's get right to, into it, Kevin. Okay. Um, you know, I mean, I, I guess that news today made me feel good, but there's other stuff in the news that usually doesn't make you feel good. <laughs> I think we might hit on a few of those items today. So, in our big pitch or something that I think we're thinking about renaming, comms news you can use, although that's not <laughs> trademarked yet. <laughs> Uh, we're gonna get there. We, if anyone's you know. got an idea, we're, we're 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 migrating the big shit, the big the big shit, the big the pitch. big shit. <laughs> Maybe that's what we should be calling. We're migrating <laughs> the big pitch 
to like a more of like a, a, a collection, like a potpourri of news items from the week. And we're going to pull out the comms thread. So, you know, because we uh, we didn't have a creative gene this morning, I, I'm i going with comms news you can use. Sink you. Sink you. Yeah, yeah I, I don't. I, we can do better than that. So if, yeah, we uh, could do better than that. If one of yeah. our millions of listeners has a great idea, text it, email it, write it, let us know uh, because we're. I, I came up short today. Yeah, Kevin and I were talking before the show. It's like you know the one thing if you you know if you listen to our intro, we're not. We want to be a little. We want to be irreverent. We want to have fun. We also want to give you some uh, have some substance in terms of being a communications professional or being just a person who needs to communicate, which is everybody every day. So yeah. that's what we're going to be focusing on. And we're going to have a lot of fun on the way. Absolutely. So, so what's on the big shit today, Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I got, I got like four or five. So, you know, we can, uh, you know, we can spend a minute or two on each and uh, you know, see, see what comes of it. So uh, one of the items that I found this week, there was a story in business insider uh, which I, it's a pub I, I enjoy. It's a little sensational, but uh, you know, I like the headlines. I think some of the stories are good. I think they do a decent uh, job on reporting. So there was a story in their advertising section about uh, Bain Capital, a private equity company, and their plans to get rid of, to offload a company called Cantor, K-A-N-T-A-R, Cantar, Cantor, and Cantor's uh, what they called struggling PR division. So uh, this division is focused on uh, media monitoring. And apparently it's the largest media monitoring service in EMEA, uh, Europe, Middle East, and Africa, and with annual revenue around $150 million. And so it, the news kind of surprised me. Actually, the news didn't surprise me. The, the fact that, you know, maybe it was struggling didn't surprise me because, and I will get into this, but I've got some opinions on media monitoring, but I was taken by the fact that they were pulling in $150 million in revenue. So I wanted to ask you, uh, do you use a media monitoring service uh, for what purpose? And, you know, what do you think of it compared to the way we used to monitor media, which was basically reading everything? Uh, let's see here. So uh, I have used media monitoring services in the past. Um, I have, but mostly at large corporations, hmm. never really at startups. Um Google Alerts was great for a long time. Google Alerts is not so great now. So I use a combination of Google Alerts and Bing and old school Yahoo to try to find the news. Did you say you uh, use Bing? Yeah, Bing. You should use Are you Bing. the last guy? No. There's, you? There, 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 Nobody uses a, Bing. I didn't think that was still around. People use Bing? Hey, do, do, next time your client has news, yeah. do, do a Google search okay. and you'll, you'll, you'll find a few. Go to Bing and you'll find a few more. They really? Yeah, it's, it's a little bit better than um, uh, Google. Huh. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, uh, give it a shot. So like I'm just making sure I'm covering the bases. And, and that's how I'm, you know, for startups and smaller companies who don't want to pay $15,000, dollars $30,000 a year to Cision, Meltwater, or apparently Kantar. Um, that's the way to go. And for the most part, you know, given the volume, it's, it's okay. Right. So, you know, if you're doing a dozen to 15 or even a hundred articles a month, you, you don't need it. But some of these big brands need these large monitoring services because they're measuring beyond just um, media, but they're trying to encompass social and reach and they provide those numbers. And I've pulled a lot of these reports 
the problem is, um, to me, it's, it always seems a little suspect. Yes, it does find those articles, but you can never, ever get the search terms exactly how you want them. Yeah. Um, there's always something uh, creeping in that it gives you a false positive. So there's a couple issues here, right? There's, the, there's a matter of scale, right? Like you say, if you're getting you know, hundreds, thousands, millions of impressions, hits on a, on a news item, uh, you, you maybe you want to keep track of where those things are showing up. I'm not sure to what end, though. So, so hold that thought for a second. So th there is a scale issue. But, uh, but beyond that, there's, you know, I think most of the companies, so maybe that's good for like, you know, a small percentage, but most of the companies that I work with, which tend to be startups, but even companies with, you know, I don't know, up to maybe $100 million in revenue, they're really not getting the kind of coverage that would require a monitoring service. And you can do most of this stuff manually, which is how we used to do it, right? I mean, we literally manually, as in like, you know, the magazine came out and you might cut out the article and send it to your client, right? Well, you know, so there's, there's a lot of people that don't do what we do, Kevin, um, that are in marketing. And uh, I think, you know, the news monitoring services sell them a good thing. Like put your press release on our thing, get a media database, and get media monitoring, here's $15,000, $20,000. Over the last three years, I've saved clients twenty dollars to $30,000 by getting Absolutely. out of those contracts. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it, it, I, that, that actually brings us back to the story, right? Which yeah. I'm not surprised that Cantor is losing money. I'm surprised that, and I think Cision does this, I think Muckrack does this too. I think they're two of the biggest US-based firms. But I, I just honestly, if you're spending whatever, tens of thousands of dollars annually on a service like that, I think you're throwing the money away unless you're just a brand with so many impressions. But even then, and this was the second question I had, is even if, you, even if you're generating, I don't know, thousands of impressions a year for news that you put out, what's the benefit of knowing where each of those things are hitting? At the end of the day, like it might, you might be able to produce some sort of share of voice report or but really, what you really want to know is where the more, which pub, which where are the most important items running? And you don't need a monitoring service for that. And you might want to know, you know, which stories are driving traffic to your site. But I don't think you need a monitoring service for that either. It's more of like a website analytics tool. Yeah, I mean, the the the, the whole justification for it for for I think is is particularly if you're a large corporation is to throw some metrics and deliver it in a board meeting or right management meeting in some sort of summary. Um, and there's different ways of doing that. I mean, you know, pasting a Wall Street Journal hit onto yeah. a slide deck does more than pasting, you know, a share of voice hit <laughs> on something, right? You know, uh, and so, uh, but it's helpful to have those numbers. I, I think managers, executives want that quantitative data you know, the articles, the hit, the tonality, all of that, knowing that they were on CNBC or the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times or whatever it may be, um, really makes them feel good. But they also want to know what's questioning. And I think the other reason why people invest in it is because because they can present share of voice numbers, potential reach, uh, and monitor globally is it, it helps them defend their budgets. Mm. So you, you, you can say that, hey – if you take away budget from PR, you take away budget from social, here are the millions of potential impressions that we're not being able to get. And you can use it in that way. 
Right. I don't think it often is that, um, you know, it, it helps to justify the spend potentially, but maybe but then you, the real issue is take a look at your spend. Right. Yeah. And, and start but, but, with the fact that you're paying muckrack or canter a hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah. But in general, you know, it, I believe these services are for the one percent of companies. Yeah, I'm right. with you. The, the large corporations, you you don't really need it. So, I agree. let me get back to one of the first things you said: insider being sort of tabloidy mm. uh, describing the mix. Yeah. It is, dude. It, it, it is. is uh, it is, I, I think you I've refer to trying. them as like the lowest common denominator. Like <laughs> that's where I have like HuffPo. It's kind of in that group for me. Yeah, I mean, it's so, but they're doing good. It's so easy to just take it in a little it's almost like the daily mail out of the uk but for business yeah. <laughs> so but it's getting you know uh the, they're doing great it seems like and they're it spreading does. out so good yeah, for them on basis with their reporting and and it is decent like i mean of the media that i work with of kind of what i you know if we're being honest like they're probably more in the businessy side of media than the tech journalism side but really like they do a decent job. They want to, you can't just send them a press release and expect covered. They're going to want to talk to somebody. They're going to want to dig a little bit, which is, you know, to be honest, is, is kind of rare these days. Yeah. A lot of media. Yeah. They made an investment in their reporting team and, you know, we know a few of their reporters and they, you know, they're doing the work. It's not yeah. full on um, sensational, but the headlines and the way that they it's written, is to be easily digestible, which I think we're all trying to be that way now in terms of what we can actually take in as information. So the articles are shorter. Sure. Some of them are. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, did you want to switch gears and... Uh, yeah, let's, let's keep going down this list. Sink you topic. Yeah, sink you topics, the big shit. Yeah, the big let's shit. do it. All right, the second big shit, the smaller shit. All right, so... It's supposed uh, to be it the a, big pitch, everybody. The big pitch, but the big pitch, right? Exactly. <laughs> this is this is the medium-sized pitch, maybe. So, Dr. Fauci, the now famous Dr. Fauci, announced on CNBC, no, no, CBS this morning today, that if you are vaccinated, uh, you don't have to wear a mask outside. And then, about an hour or so ago, we record here around uh, today. We're recording at twelve thirty Pacific time on Thursday, but. Uh, probably around 11.30 today, the CDC officially came out and said, if you're a vaccinated person, you don't need to wear a mask outdoors or indoors, by the way, or indoors in most settings that you are highly, highly unlikely to either um, get or transmit the disease, uh, COVID specifically, right? So this is big news today. Um, and it, it, you know, I'm reading that article, I'm listening to Dr. Fauci this morning, and I'm thinking to myself, uh, has the CDC done a good job? And we've talked about this on the show in the past, but have they done a good job over the past several months uh, since the pandemic started of informing the public? Have they gotten better at it recently? Um, are, are they, or are they still, and, and I think this is true in the minds of a lot of people, kind of botching the message and doing a poor job of communicating clearly what they expect from, uh, from Americans. So I, I wanted to get your take on that. Well, you know, we talked about this before, and it was after our messaging session with the doctor, the messaging doc then. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That things changed, right? Instead of saying, you know, it's, you know, 70% efficacy rate or whatever it is, it's 100%. You're not going to die if you take the vaccine. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so 
I, I think so. I, you know, I, I think it's less messaging in this case, more, you know, the messaging has been around getting vaccinated and trying to get uh, to sort of this herd immunity goal. Uh, uh, right now, the messaging seems to me about is about incentive. Everything that they're today's announcement was not necessarily. I mean, while the science is there to be safe, I think they're really trying to get people that haven't been vaccinated to be vaccinated. So that way they can be mask free. So if you haven't got it, go get it now without your mask. Problem is, you know, we're not, you get a card to say that you're vaccinated, but you don't have to show it. So, you know, any anti-vaxxer can walk around without a mask, be like, what's up? That's right. It does present some confusion, right? I mean, it's, you, you could walk into a store, you could go to a ball game, you could, you know, be at a concert or a restaurant and see people are unmasked and not know. And I think, you know, this is kind of back to the messaging or kind of the overall strategy around this from a, uh, from federal government and a CDC communications perspective is it's not, it's still not clear, right? What you need to do, because we don't have at a government level, at a high level, the ability to say, you know, you have to get vaccinated if you want to do these things. And, and the government's planning not to do that. So it creates some, uh, some, some uncertainty, right? Some questions uh, for businesses. How do you, if you're, if you're a grocery store, do you suddenly say, you know, uh, no one needs to be vaccinated inside uh, or rather nobody, uh, everybody needs to be vaccinated inside if they're going to come in, or do you say, People don't need to wear their masks if they're going to come into the grocery store because they're not getting that guidance from the CDC exactly. So I, I, I guess my point is, Dave, I feel like it, it, it's helpful, but it also raises some questions and some issues. And it feels like the CDC kind of wants to throw stuff out there and be like, well, okay, the, figure it out. Well, what's being buried in the story there is that it could change if cases start going up. The sure. CDC did say that. Um, but they need to do what Ohio does and start giving out a million dollar prize ideas. So a uh, million dollars, if you uh, take the vaccine now. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so Eric Thompson at the Atlantic had a similar comment uh, in a story. And I heard him on a podcast the other day talking about, you know, in California, we should be giving out, you know, uh, uh, grams of pot, you know, in, uh, in Vermont, we should be giving out, you know, cheese or whatever like we, we ought to be looking at all kinds of ways to incentivize people to to get the vaccine uh how about not dying <laughs> that's a good that's a good i'm incented right like most of us don't need that but uh yeah i like the lottery ticket idea that ohio's got absolutely um, i'm three weeks into my vaccine right now i don't know if the government controls me or not but i feel okay Nothing has really changed. Well, here's, the, here's the question. Are you pro Bill Gates or, or pro Melinda? Like, that's how you'll know. Speaking of Bill Gates. Yeah. Uh, this week, the New yeah. York, well, I, well, I woke up to this. His golf buddies uh-huh. that uh, has said, or it's been leaked, that his marriage to Melinda was loveless mm. and they were living s- separate lives. That came out today. And so the question is, like, he's high profile, public figure. Yeah. Should Bill have been more carefully careful in communicating his marriage issues to friends or does it matter? How does this news get out, Kevin? And do you, I mean, like, how many golf buddies are you going to have? 
a lot, probably if you're Bill or maybe it's a caddy or, you know, he's at the buffet at the club and he's. Well, the, the club know. is super exclusive. I think it's like the vintage club out here in yeah. California someplace. Like, uh, I think well, first like, of all, you, you got to coach up your buddies. You got to be like, look, guys, like I'm going to share stuff with you. I'm Bill Gates. You can't be out there talking to media. You know, I'm going to get killed in the press for this stuff. Uh, but he's also he probably should know better. I mean, to me, like it's one of these non stories that becomes a story. But like at the same time, you have to know if you say if you're going out talking, uh, t- saying stuff about your, your marriage and your wife. And then all of a sudden you're in the news getting divorced. Somebody's going to get loose lips. Uh, it's just it's bound to happen. Hey, dude, that's human nature, right? I mean, there's some good there's good gossip going on. there. Just don't take it to a journalist, yeah. <laughs> especially if you're high profile, right? Yeah. So. Talk about it at a poker game, on the golf course, you know. Uh, but, yeah, you got to be – Bill should know better. Uh, and, and I think it's one of these things, like I said, that it's this is, this is disappearing news. We're not going to know about this in 10 minutes. But uh, when you're in the news uh, for getting divorced and people are going to dissect you and, and your – you know, your approach to this whole thing and you've got your friends out there talking about how you, you know, your marriage was over years ago and you didn't, you know, basically didn't care about it. It doesn't look good. Well, there's there's another thought here. Bill allowed somebody to tell the media that. Ooh, that's spicy. That's a hot (laughs) thing. Why would he do do that? Uh, I don't know what their reasons (laughs) would be, you know? Like, you know, you're trying to keep it private. Maybe just to get the story out. I mean... Maybe Who it's knows? a slap at his wife. Maybe it's a, you know, I never, you know, I haven't been into you for a long time. You're out, you know. Dude, this this is He's on her own PR campaign. This issue here is absolutely nothing compared to what Be- Bezos had to go through in his divorce. Mm-hmm. I mean, that turned in salacious, right? Him and Mackenzie announced a divorce, and the next thing you know, he was cheating on somebody because of, you know, the National Enquirer got a hold of a story and right. started playing that out. And, he, you know, he ended up suing him for life. Well, that, that was a fascinating story from a comms perspective. If you recall, um, uh, Jeff was being raked over the coals by the National Enquirer. Uh, Jeff Bezos owns the Washington Post, which has right. been critical of Donald Trump. Donald Trump was in office at the time. He's good buddies with the, the owner, Inquirer guy. The, the Inquirer guy. So now yeah. we, we got all kinds of stuff going on here. <laughs> and like, you know, it's a Hollywood movie. And like, you know, he was being um, desecrated by this publication and all these details were coming out, text messages, personal emails, like little love texts to people. And it was embarrassing, and he wrote a remarkable letter, an mea culpa that came out, this Jeff Bezos did, and says, you know what? He ended up suing them, and I don't even know where that case is now, but he ended up suing. He's like, if a man of my means can't stop the National Enquirer, right, who will? Yeah. And he had to go for it, but in order to do that, he had to come clean on you know the infidelities in his marriage. Right. And that's that's when it becomes personal and tough. And but, but I think but on the, way, the other hand, that's the right move from. A yeah, company. totally. Fall on the totally. sword. Yep. I did it. You know, it's ugly. I look bad. I get it um, because the American public wants to forgive. It's yeah. In our nature. Yeah. And if, you, if you dance around stuff and, 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 you know, you get defensive and fight back, it just looks it looks bad. Yeah. I mean, I think the idea was like. Personally, I mean, I can't read his mind, 
if I did, I probably would have been at Amazon for a long time. Right. But like, you, you know, just personal level, you think about it and you, 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 maybe you made a mistake. Maybe it's not working out. You just want to keep that stuff private to yourselves and kind of move on. Like I, I did it. And, but when somebody brings it public, then you have to grapple with, <laughs> you know, how you address it. And that's the problem with public profile. Most, the majority of, a, of the world can go about it and maybe their family knows about it or their close right. friends. That's it. It's not amplified through media and social. So, and, and it has an effect on, you know, the value of your company and the, uh, you know, a lot of people are shareholders, uh, regular people are shareholders in a company like that, that, uh, you know, can have savings wiped out when you well, do something public in a, that, that turns ugly. So yeah, well, these guys and, have to be careful. And well, and it also sells newspapers or clicks these days. Don't even sure. sell newspapers or makes, right? You got a great story. Billionaire divorce, right? Where's yeah. the money going? Who cheated on who, right? You know, it's like the the fascination with the uh, mo- uh, the monarchy in England, right? right? You know, just like what's going on there. So um, it has elements for juicy stories. Speaking of speaking of juicy stories and billionaires, there's another business insider story i wanted to throw at you you, you know it's kevin you know it's called insider these days they drop the business insider. oh jesus okay yeah you're right it's insider sorry business insider or insider <laughs> who's the guy who owns that by the way he was a he got in trouble next, too oh, yeah what was, he was like a uh, an investment banker yeah what? yeah he was all over the news in the late 90s uh i can't oh, think of the guy's name uh I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, Henry Blodgett, oh, that's Blodgett. him. Yes, yeah, was, there you go. Yeah, yeah, Henry, he had his own issues. Yeah, he had his own. Yeah, he, he was one of the comeback stories right there. So maybe he gets on rep fire refer later. We'll see. We might have to squeeze him <laughs> in. Um, so on Insider, forgive me, Mr. Blodgett. On Insider today, there was a story about Facebook and its content moderators and. I'm, I'm endlessly fascinated by this because I, I think social media, as we've discussed many times on the show before, is just run amok. But th- there's a whole group of people out there at Facebook and elsewhere that have responsibility for moderating content on these social media platforms. And Facebook apparently has suggested that if you are one of those moderators and you're looking at, you know, pornography, uh, hate, violence, uh, you know, racial epithets, uh, basically, you know, nasty spew on social media all day. If your job is to look at that, evaluate and decide whether it should stay on the platform, a good idea for you to calm down in your downtime is to do karaoke. That's, uh, that's the Facebook suggestion. So I, I'm just, I don't even know if this has got a comms angle, Dave. I just was struck by the story. Like, can you imagine, you know, your maybe it's an internal comm story. Like, the employee comms person puts out a, a memo that says, hey, if you're if you're stressed, anxious, depressed from doing your job all day, go sing some journey at the uh, at the at the corner bar. Uh, that might make you feel better. What do you think? <laughs> Stupid, right? I, I saw that today and I was like, no, because I hate karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Mostly because I suck at it. Uh, second is they never have any songs that I want to sing. There are all these cheesy love songs that I want to sure. run away from. I love Turner cheesy around. love songs. All right, I'm, in that <laughs> camp. I'm, I'm in that camp. But I mean, really, like it, it is a thing where it's somebody's job at Facebook to guide their content moderators, not only in terms of what they should be looking for and dispelling from the platform, but also 
I guess, essentially like how to recover emotionally from what they're seeing and, uh, and, and viewing on a daily uh, and listening to and viewing and, and watching on a daily basis. And, and some employee comms person has to kind of like provide that counsel. And I just can't believe it would be anybody's good idea to be like, you know what you need to do? You like, um, you like Toto? You know that song, <laughs> Africa? Like, I think if you bang out a couple of verses from Africa, I think you'll just you'll be able to look at that, like, that hate crime a little bit easier tomorrow. I just can't believe this was anybody's idea of a, you know, of a good suggestion. Uh, I don't get it either. But a little Ario Speedwagon will make you yeah. feel better, man. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. turn around there you go all of a sudden you're like and, but seriously somebody came up with this you could see the you know the the internal comms person like typing up the memo like yeah like let me come up with a playlist like there must be like a playlist I, I, for I better. seen the list there had to be some other things on that list and karaoke was the last one and insider uh, because they're that magazine that likes to lift up the the you know the the, the sensationalism said just pulled out karaoke. karaoke. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. they probably right. probably in that list was you know get some rest, go for a jog, get yep. some exercise, meditate. Uh, oh, and do karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And insider said karaoke after you watch a little Eddie ambrosia, porn and violence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe some eagles. Uh, yeah, that's no, I, that's got to be a tough gig man like oh, you think worst. about jobs that do deal with the worst of the worst right you know some of the telemarketers you know, well not telemarketers. i'm talking about like police officers who oh. don't ever really get to run into you know good people most of the right. time they're trying right. to stop the bad guys prison guards right you know or pr people yeah PR people, yeah, PR people. <laughs> uh, yeah. Kevin, after the, this week, we're, we, we're going to have some karaoke tonight to calm right. down. So. Everybody's going to cool out. we got a white claw. Who's got, who brought the white claw? We're going to kick back. You know, we're going to burn some incense. You know, we're going we're gonna to chill out and, and we'll feel better tomorrow when we, uh, we have to look at this, this madness again. Uh, speaking of madness, last one, and, and this is a serious topic, and I, I really, I put it in there because I do think it matters from a comms perspective, but uh, I don't know what to do with it, but, you know, there's uh, terrible violence going on in the Middle East right now in Israel between the Israelis and the Palestinians. And, you know, uh, this is, you know, the planet's oldest uh, civil war, planet's oldest, oldest war, I guess, uh, battle. But I, I increasingly over the years, as I've uh, kind of learned about the topic, it's occurred to me that this is at its core, really a, a communications issue. Uh, and, and it really comes down to kind of, uh, you know, how the Israelis want the world to perceive their side of the story and how the Palestinians want the world to perceive its side of the story. And, and I do wonder, and, and I guess, you know, not to make light of the issue at all, but I do wonder from your perspective, I don't know the answer to this question. Do you think much thought is given to how, um, what each side is doing is going to play in the media and, and how much time is spent by some sort of corporate communications type public affairs council when uh, leaders from either side make statements to the press and to the public. Uh, I'm solving peace, putting peace into the Middle East, Kevin, is a pretty heavy topic for this yeah, show, it is. dude. Yeah, it is. I know. I'm just, it, it, <laughs> it, it does, it, you know, like when you read stuff, like, 
there were some uh, Netanyahu, who's the Israeli leader, made some comments today about the lynchings, quote unquote, that are occurring uh, on either side of, of the line, uh, you know, that he abhors, uh, you know, lynchings by Palestinians of Israelis and vice versa. And I just, I, that's a pretty charged word. Certainly it is here in America. And I just wonder how much thought is given when a word like that is used or is it off the cuff? And, you know, if somebody is kind of guiding the statements, I'm sure there are for like prepared comments, but it, it really is, you know, at, at its core, like this is an issue of like how you feel and you, you know, about either side and you get that feeling based today for the most part on what you read because most of us are not in the Middle East and living this stuff day to day. So I do think it's a, it's a comms issue. It's a media issue. I think there's a media battle that takes place between these sides as much as there is a, a physical, you know, military battle. And, and I just wondered kind of if you had any thoughts on like, is it someone's job to kind of make decisions on a day-to-day basis about the messages that they want to put out as it pertains to the, to the war? Absolutely. I mean, a big part of war is propaganda. A big part of right. this is, is to get people to rally behind something. I mean, you know, if you were to take this out of the Middle East and move it to Central Asia, you know, if you look back after 9-11 in 2001, you know, the Bush administration made a case to 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 enter Iraq. Right. Yep. Even though there was really no conflict there for us. I mean, Iraq at the time was checkmate. Right? they couldn't even fly planes. There was a no fly zone in certain parts of it. Um, right. But but yet, you know, the, that administration used every tool in the handbook. Weapons to, of mass destruction, right? Yeah, to, 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 to put the fear in American public yep. and to go out there. So to, to justify their war stance. Yes. And, and so don't think that anything that's coming out of Israel or Palestine is, is not thought through from a media perspective. I think I Israel, Israel has the upper hand um, just because they, you know, they – they have more, right? Yeah. And the, the the poor Palestinian people have less, and and you know they they just trapped in a zone. Really, uh, it, it's going to be one of those things where the, you know obviously conflict isn't going to do this. There's got to have negotiations going along, but who knows when that will happen? I'm hoping <laughs> it, it calms down a little bit, and it's tough, right? So we live here in a diverse, multicultural world. At least I do. Um, where I am. And you say Menlo Park isn't diverse and multicultural? <laughs> there, there's some places in America that has it. You guys are actually pretty diverse compared to a lot of places in the rest of this country. Um, but, you know, so I have Jewish friends, you know, that are very pro-Israel. And I have Palestinian friends. I, I even work with one of them, you know, and they're, you know, very pro-Palestinian state. And you kind of hear both sides of the story. I mean, I'm just scrolling through my Facebook feed. I'm like, you know, well, you know, they're complaining. The the Israelis are complaining about rockets from Hamas, and then you go back on the other side. The Palestinians are complaining about rockets from Israel. Yeah, right. And it's like, yeah, this is not going to be the way to go about it. Uh, so, yeah, that's a complex uh, issue. But uh, from a uh, communications perspective guaranteed that um the the issue around communications and how they're talking about it is well thought out i agree and i think that you know when 
when things will get better, you will see it in the media maybe first or, or shortly after the bombs start fall, stop falling. But I, I think definitely something that will be an indicator of, you know, and, and maybe it's short-term peace, maybe it's sustained peace, but when the sides start talking differently about each other in the press will be a pretty good indication that the tone of, uh, of the activity is changing. Dude, uh, dude like, so this yeah. is how out of touch I, I am with it. I, I don't even know how it happened, right? Like, you know, it was obviously boiling over for a while. Yeah, right there was now, a, I, I, I got to play catch up to it. You yeah. know, like it was status quo for so long, although I know that they were expanding in the West Bank. Um, things, you know, it, that there was thing. an issue at a mosque. There was an issue yeah. at a mosque and I can't remember the location, but you're, that's a really good point, actually, Dave, that it's that that stuff gets buried. Right? Yeah. That, that isn't the story. Um, and, and maybe it should be right. Like maybe it's like, how do we settle this specific issue as opposed to, um, and, and cover this specific issue in the media. And maybe that's a way of kind of, um, tamping down the excitement around the issue. If we just focus on the one activity, the one event that caused things to boil over. Um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, you're right. It's a big issue. Um, maybe too big for our show, but I, I it did have a, it reminded me of, it made me think of, of communications and the media and, and kind of how we perceive all this stuff. So I wanted to throw it out there, but um, do you want to, do you want to shift into something a little lighter and, and do uh, hit on a game or two before we wrap up today? Dude, the games are the best part of the show. Like you may, I told you, I don't like games, but I like playing games here on the embargo. Yeah, it is right. the best kind of game that we can do. And I'm glad Good. we're doing it. Good. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll hit on uh, at least one, maybe two today, and, and we'll see how these go. So I, uh, here's a game I'd like to call in or out. Okay. So the idea of in or out is I'm going to throw out a PR tool, process, or technique that uh, that you and, and I and, and millions of other people have probably used before. And I want you to tell me if you're in, as in you're still doing it, or if you still like to do it or recommend it, or if you're out, as in you don't use it, you don't do it anymore uh, makes sense yeah go cool first one calling reporters on the telephone in or out out when did you stop doing it i'll, I'll call them if we're in touch on something it'll never be the first outreach it'll never be like the first step email the last first? time you had a phone call phone conversation with a reporter this year that's outside, like me trying to connect them with somebody, or well, maybe they reached out to you. Even that, that happens occasionally. You get a call. I'm so, I'm actually surprised, but it does happen to me. Uh, maybe even this year, but you know they're fewer and far bet further between. Uh, but I, do you do you call a reporter? Have you been called by a reporter any time in the last three to six months? Well, last time I was working for a public publicly traded company, I would get more calls there. Yeah, but usually they were a form of text messages. Yesterday, I was working with a small startup, and I got a text message from the reporter. Right. So the text messages are more uh, important. Every time I – I don't think anybody calls anybody anymore. So if you were to call me and I don't have your phone number in my uh, contact list, it's automatically going to silence just because there's so many spammers. Sure. Uh, or – uh, do you remember though? I mean, I, I feel like when you and I worked together uh, twenty some odd years ago, I think we did make phone calls. Do, do, I think we were Kevin, expected to make phone calls. Yeah, Kevin, do, there's no reason to talk about how old we are. On this show. <laughs> I didn't say thirty <laughs> years ago, even though we're pushing that point. Yeah, it was probably twenty 
I don't know. It was the late nineties. It was 25 <laughs> years ago, but I mean, it is, I do remember hey. feeling like, like if I was sending an email, this was back when we were Fleischman Hillard uh, all those years ago, but I do remember feeling like if I was sending an email, I was kind of cheating. Like maybe I was expected to make a few more phone calls than emails sent. Um, and, and maybe that's because I, I'd come from a smaller agency where most of the outreach we did was by phone, but that just doesn't happen anymore. I, I think you're right. I think, you know, I don't, and maybe this isn't, you know, breaking news, but I think phone calls with reporters are definitely out. Yeah. Even if a reporter is late for a call, I'm texting them. I'm not calling them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to exactly. call and be like, Hey, you're late for your meeting. You know, just like, Hey, are you showing up or not? So no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Are, are you even, you are you even using the phone these days for regular life? Well, that's a good question. Uh, less than less. I don't have a landline anymore. I got rid of that for my personal life. So it's all mobile. Uh, but yeah, occasionally, but you know what, in the last year calls that maybe I would have done by phone or now zooms or FaceTime or, you know, Microsoft teams, or, I mean, not for personal as, as much, but yeah, a lot of the phone calls that I used to have for business or personal have migrated to the web. Yeah. So <laughs> death of the phone. Um, all right, here's another one for you. Uh, here's one for the PR people out there. Uh, maybe that's everyone. Maybe that's just some of you, but new business presentations. If you're a PR person and you're going to work or you want to work with, let's say a startup. So let's take out the, like the big agency, big client relationships, put those in the, in the 1% category. Let's say you're just a small time guy, a regular old PR person, and you're pitching a new piece of business. Are you putting together some sort of a presentation when you go meet with a, or you, or maybe you don't go meet, but you meet online with a prospective client. You know, out, out, not doing it. Yep. I, I haven't done it. Although I've always wanted to do a new business presentation check. I think it actually will help. I probably will get to it. If I stop winning new business, <laughs> <laughs> you don't need it. I, I think that's what you're saying. Right. I mean, yeah. and that's the truth. Right. Like, but I want, you know, I, I think you're hundred percent right. I've been asked recently and occasionally over the years, like, can you send me your deck? Send me your presentation. Do you want to make some sort of official presentation? My answer is always like, I really don't have time for that. Uh, you know, I can point you to my website. I can point you to my LinkedIn page. You can talk to anyone I've ever worked with, but I, I'm a small time guy. I'm not going to invest the, you know, the time and resources to create something that I, a, I think is unnecessary and B, I don't think it's going to be any better than the alternative, the, uh, you know, the, the references and so forth. So I'm, yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. You know, and, and the other thing on that is I had somebody come, a company come to me and they, they put together a seven page RFP and it listed like 30 questions. Right. And the budget was freelance budget. <laughs> and I'm like, you, you don't, it was a full on global wow. PR agency. Must have uh, taken this person days. Request, request for proposal. Yeah. And, you know, it was totally unnecessary. Yeah. Um, I'm sure somebody went after it. Somebody who, an agency that I had a deck to go and they wanted to, to do it. But, it, you know, for a lot of folks, it's, particularly for folks like us, it's, we're not, we're not going to mess around with that because that actually gets you that it's overhead. Right. right. And, exactly. and one of the things that we do is 
keep that overhead down so you can hire experienced folks who know what they're doing at half the cost of what PR That's agencies right. are That's charging. That's exactly right. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. So hundred percent. Um, all right. Let me throw one or maybe two more at you. Um, <laughs> here's one for PR people in terms of counsel they might give to their clients. Is it, are you in or out on the idea of advising clients to pay industry analysts? I'm in. Really? Uh, yeah. Explain. Uh, because there are some places and like some of them, many clients are already paying industry analysts right. themselves. Um, you know, because there, there's some access that you need to do, particularly in some of these enterprise tech companies that you, you want to help influence some of the reports that they're putting out. Gar I'm speaking mainly about Gartner. Right. So, these are complex issues. You want to make sure you, they understand your position, where it is in the market, and you want to have access to that. You want to influence these reports that come out that you know IT buyers use to make decisions on how they spend their technology uh, dollars. And I think it's good to have those relationships, at least from the reports and from those. But generally, I'm only picking like one or two and not dozens. And sometimes I'll work with smaller industry analyst firms that are a little bit more forgiving in how they support certain clients or and the cost, right? I mean, yeah, and, and the cost is a hell of a lot cheaper. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I'm, I'm still in on industry analysts. I still it's think they play a role. Yeah. Here's the thing though. The, the pushback would be how, if you're a small company and you're paying for that, uh, that attention or, or kind of that time is what you're paying for uh, with those analysts. Are, are you really, is it going to make much difference? Like if you're a small company, if you're a startup, you're trying to get into one of these magic quadrants or, you know, just get into a report. Um, I, I would question like how much ability you have to actually do that. If you're a startup. Well, I, yeah. If you're a startup, you don't need it. There's other ways to get into industry reports or like, you know, Gartner has, Oh, I forget what the name of it is, you know, but like these up and coming next generation technology reports, you can get right. into those. You can do briefings with the same analysts that are going to write those reports so that you can understand. Well, you can brief the analysts without paying them too. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally, totally. The other thing is if you're a small company, I think you have such a limited marketing budget that, you know, Gartner, you know, I, I don't, you know, it's 50, 60 grand a year, whatever it is. And I'm sure they've got, you know, products that they can offer you that are cheaper but I, I well, they don't offer you the cheaper products. No, <laughs> not. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, they're, they're happy to have you pay 50 K for a, for a subscription and they layer a bunch of shit on top of that too. But <laughs> I, I actually, uh, you know, I think analysts are coin operated. I get that, but I would lean toward working with the smaller guys and, and really uh, thinking long and hard before spending big money with a, with a firm like Gardner, even though, I kind of get it at a high level. I, I'm not sure that there's, um, I don't think that cost value, uh, cost benefit analysis is, is really in your favor uh, until you reach a, a certain um, a certain stage of your development. Yeah. Would be my take. Mm. Um, I'll, I'll give you one more because I, it's, uh, it's something I like, but I, I'm curious whether you use it. So are you in and out on uh, the service help a reporter out or Harrow? I'm out. Totally, I've really? been out, been out for a couple of years. Tell me why. A lot of it's trash. A lot of the requests True. are trash. True. I mean, you may get one or two that are okay, but you have to filter through a thousand. 
before you get one? I don't know. I, I think the numbers are a little better than that. So you're saying that when you, you haven't used it in how long? Uh, I haven't checked in on it in about a year. Maybe I should. Tell me why, Kevin. Tell me why. All right. I get them. I get the alerts three times a day, which I guess is standard. I don't even know. I don't, you know, I don't remember. They, they come out three times a day. Yeah. Okay. Three times a day, morning, afternoon, and, and, uh, or early midday in the late afternoon. Yeah. Before I you usually... get, guys, for people that don't know, help a reporter out is an email listserv where journalists come in, they request to speak to an expert or somebody, and then it gets handed out to a bunch of folks like us and Kevin. And if we have a spokesperson, we go reach out to that reporter. It goes to thousands of people. And I think the reporters easy, can easily get content. I used it when I was working at IoT Central for IoT stuff and always got a response. Yeah, I, I actually think it's a helpful service still. I usually find one or I would say each day from the three reports I get, I bet you I find one or two potential opportunities for my clients each day. And uh, I think with the kinds of companies that I work with, again, kind of relatively early stage startups, they're not always going to have news. You know, it's a burden on them sometimes to create content. It's a benefit when someone else says, hey, we're working on something that you might be a fit for. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's, yeah, it does, you're right. It takes a little time to sift through those. And, and oftentimes you're looking for that needle in a haystack. But I think it actually can be a pretty, first of all, it's free which, you know, unlike the media monitoring service, uh, you know, is, is, uh, is a great deal. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm in still on that. Uh, you might want to take another look or, uh, or not. All right, dude. I, for, you know, the best PR person in Silicon Valley, I'll take that advice. <laughs> Thanks, man. Uh, uh, so I want to do rep fire refer, but there's, I, I want to just quick one more game and, I don't mind saying it, man. I've worked at agencies. We work together at agencies. Um, there, are, there's some dumb shit that PR agencies do, uh, and I understand why they do it. There's a, a lot of times there's a business model reason, and, and I get it. And we can dissect some of that. But I thought, and maybe this becomes a regular segment on the show. But dumb shit <laughs> PR agencies. do. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. That's what? a regular segment. Could you? I think it should be. Is the list long? <laughs> it, it, it's, it's enormous, man. Like I, I could. We could spend all day. Maybe this is a, 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 a spinoff, but we, we, somebody else has to do this show. But dumb shit PR agencies do. I came in contact with an agency this week, not personally, but but through uh, through someone else. And the agency, um, my, the, the company that I, the, the person that I was talking to wanted to get rid of this PR agency. And they went to the agency and said, look, I want to, you know, end our agreement. I want to cancel our relationship. And, and we'd like to do it, you know, at the end of the month or whatever. And the agency came back and said, Actually, our contract stipulates uh, 60 days. 60 days you have to stick around as our client before, before we can go. And the person that I'm in touch with told this to me. And, and, you know, my first response was like, can you imagine being in a relationship with someone and they dump you and you go, yeah, all right, I, I got it. You dumped me, but we still have to go out for the next two months like that, nothing would be less comfortable. I can't imagine a less comfortable arrangement than something like that. Now I know why the agency is doing it, right? They're looking for an extra couple of months of, of pay for, you know, basically what I'm sure will amount to like less than half the effort, but that's just a dumb thing. Like that's a relationship burning uh, uh, mechanism for me. Yeah, uh, that's 60 that's... day termination pay. What do you think? 
Yeah, well, that's 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 more days than my last rental house agreement. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Good thirty days. Uh, you know they should have never signed that contract. They can easily change that to thirty days. Fair enough. Fair yeah, enough. Kevin, you know uh, one of the so the reason that I think you and I are in business is because of dumb shit PR agencies do, Amen. right? And Amen. so yeah. this is one of those things. I actually don't have. I put in a thirty day contract, a thirty day termination. Um, but if a client said it would be immediate, I'd be fine with sure. that, right? It's not a big deal to me. Like, if you want to end this relationship, let's stop it, right? right. <laughs> you know, um, I'm only asking for 30 days, and some of them like have said 15, and some of them like at will. Sure, yeah. let's go because we're going to do good work, and you know, I may end up firing you. So right. <laughs> that's uh, how I approach it. But yeah, that that's I I, I, I don't. I don't, uh, 60 days is a long time. That's crazy, right? Yeah. I mean, that's definitely in the category of dumb shit PR agencies do. I, I got some others, but I think maybe we'll hold uh, because I think we should. We, we could do one a week, dude. And then, you know, sure. we could have a show for the next 30 years. There you so. go. Dumb shit PR agencies do. We're coming for you next PR agency, whatever. Um, all right. So let's let's wrap up with RepFire Refer. Um, I actually had some trouble coming up with our list this week. I couldn't find enough names in the news that I thought had something we could work with. So uh, I'll apologize in advance if you think that this, uh, this list sucks. But I, I came up with uh, Liz Cheney, uh, who was, uh, you know, who was dumped, speaking of getting dumped this week by her Republican colleagues and uh, ousted from her committee leadership positions for her yep. Yep. position yep. on Trump, right? Uh, yep. Caitlyn Jenner, who uh, is, I think, still trying to run for governor in the state of California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yep. uh, but it's gotten off to a slow start. And, uh, and Andrew Yang, uh, who is, I think, doing pretty well in his attempt to become the next mayor of New York City. So uh, I'll throw it over to you, Dave. You, uh, you get it. All right. Start. We're firing Caitlyn Jenner. That, that, was, that used to be Bruce, right? <laughs> that was, yeah, that was Bruce Jenner, right. We're firing Caitlyn Jenner because she doesn't know what she's doing. Okay. <laughs> it's a bit of a joke. The yep. latest kerfuffle around her was that she said she didn't vote in the last election. Then her team said she voted. And that that whole thing is just weird and awful. And she has no chance. Fire. Go back to go back to whatever. I'm gonna yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna refer Andrew Yang. I'm I'm really appreciating what he's doing. I actually have a personal contact, a guy named Art Chang, who's actually also running for mayor in New York. I don't yeah, think he's getting much traction. Yeah, yeah. I met him. Uh, a few years back, uh, he was consulting for Pivotal Software. And Art's, I've been on his email list. Uh, I don't know where his campaign is now, but I was like, oh, wow, that's mm. great. Good for him. Um, but Andrew Yang's doing some things that uh, I'm going to refer him to somebody else. Okay. I am going to take Liz Cheney. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Explain. I'm going to take her because she's standing as a woman with backbone and principle. I may not agree with all her policies um, or her positions when it comes to politics, but the fact that she's able to take this stance means that she actually has a lot of integrity and she's actually trying to do better for this country. And I really appreciate that. And I couldn't stand her father. Yeah, so. I agree with you on all, count, all counts. And uh, I, I think I'd rep her too. I, I think, you know, maybe there's an opportunity. First of all, it's a strong message, right? It's a, 
you know, we have to get away from, as Republicans, they have to get away from, she's suggesting they get, get away from the Trump message and maybe find, a, I don't know if it's a neutral ground or I don't know if it's a third party, but I think there's a strong message there that says, uh, you know, conservative Republican politics don't have to be centered around Donald Trump and his idiocy. <laughs> there's another way to go. So I agree. I think it's a strong message. I'd want to work with her too. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, that's our show for this week. Next week, we have a very special guest. You'll want to join that. He is a former reporter at a major publication who has gone to the dark side, public relations and communications. And I think we're going to be talking about how a journalist makes it from that transition to this one. Of in terms of communication, yeah, yeah. So that that should be an interesting and great conversation. So, all right, Kevin, you have a great weekend. Um, I love you too. You know, and I, I believe we can do this without masks because we're both fully vaccinated. So. Take them off, vaxed, ma- waxed, and rock out. Man. Have <laughs> yeah. A good time. Yeah. All right. Take care, everybody. People gon' dance to Give the record a second and a chance to Hitting people like a scene of amazement While they slipping back my feet is planted in the pavement Crumble I can never do So now I'm looking dead at you What are you gonna do? You listen to the knowledge of a scholar You say how I breathe, tell them how I holler I'm the E-double and I proclaim my name Straight up, good gang, peeps all game I'm like a rhino running through the roughest pack They figure I'm a trigger happy nigga So they step back, breathe the microphone is who lasts the longest, so news the strongest. It ain't a game as plain to see. You listen to the sounds of breathe. There ain't a future in your front. I never got caught with a kilo. And if you ever do, yo, will never be with me. Serving in a Cherokee or maybe it's a Geo Like I'm like Ben, so we'll get it up amigo Never have to worry about my posse getting jumped Cause if we ever do, yo TV pop the trunk Cause we don't go for